Amen. Praise God. I want to start off with a little story. There was a small store owner. You know, he had been in business for, you know, uh, his dad had started that business and his, his grandfather and then his dad took it over and then, and then he took over and now he's here he is trying to hold on to a small store in this world of mass, uh, these, these oversized corporations and, and chains that are moving in. Well, a very large department store began to buy up all the buildings on the block. And he refused. He says, I'm not going to sell. I'm not going to sell. I'm going to be here. And so the department uh, chain, they bought this building and the next one and the next one and the next one. And they skipped him because he refused and bought the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. And then after some time, the department store got tired of waiting. And so you know what? We're going to open up anyway. And they, 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 they made both sides into like one big department store and left his little store right in the middle. And they put a big banner that went from corner to corner. And it said, grand opening. And here is this little business owner with his store right in the middle. You can almost picture it, right? Like a little tiny, tiny old looking store right in the middle. And then they had this big mega shopping plaza all around it. And he did not know what to do. He didn't know what to do. Soon, uh, he started thinking, and he came up with an amazing idea. So the next day, he goes to his store early in the morning. He climbs up on a ladder and puts up his own banner right above his door. And the banner said, main entrance. Main entrance. Sometimes all you have is wisdom. Sometimes all you have is wisdom. He didn't have money. He didn't have powerful friends. He didn't have a way to keep them from opening, but he had wisdom. His property, they can't make him take the banner down. You see this huge mega complex taking up the whole block and right in the middle you see main entrance. Which one are you gonna go into? Main entrance. I mean, people are gonna notice after they're in there, but it's too late, you always buy something. Last week's message, James covered the need for us to control our tongues. I know I say this every week, but if you didn't watch it, just go back and watch it. Just go back and watch it. Um, he specifically addresses the dangers of the improper use, improper use of the tongue, and the damage that can result in some of the things that we say. Today, we're going to cover the subject of wisdom and just as the tongue can be used to bless and the tongue can be used to curse, there are two aspects of wisdom. And James calls it heavenly wisdom and demonic wisdom. 
Let's turn to James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct, conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wisdom is important. How many of us know that? Two people know that. Three, four, five. Okay, more people. You see, now you're getting wisdom. You're learning that wisdom is important. Amen? Wisdom is important. And the thing is, wisdom is not just mentioned once or twice here or there. It's not that, you know, maybe you find it in this book of the Bible or maybe one person mentioned it here. King Solomon, which was considered the wisest man, who is the wisest man ever known, dedicated and poured out his wisdom in a book. A couple books. But in a book, and we know it as Proverbs. Proverbs, if you read Proverbs from beginning to end, you're automatically wiser. Well, let me say this. You, you know more. You're wiser when you apply it to your life. Wisdom is important. If we look at Proverbs, we'll take one. I mean, you, wisdom is written like a million times in Proverbs, but if you want, we, let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. And it says that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get it. It, it can't be any more simple than that. It can't be more simple. You know? Wisdom is important. We all need to get it. So how do we do this? How can we get wisdom? I mean, do we, do we just, you know, read a book and instantly have it? Do we, you know, ask people, hey, Luce, what do you think about this? Okay, I, now I have wisdom. Is, is it only that way? I mean, how is it? Do we watch the news and get wisdom? Mm. We watch, do we look it up on the internet, Google it, uh, Wikipedia, uh, Facebook, Instagram, where are we getting our wisdom from, right? James tells us how. And we go back to chapter 1, which was, seems like two months ago, right? We go back to chapter 1, and in chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. 
So your source of wisdom is God. And all you have to do, ready for the secret, is ask him. Is ask him. No, no, that sounds too easy. No, there's got to be more to it. How, how many jumping jacks do I got to do? How many push-ups? How many, you know, uh, you know how many uh, repetitions of this and this and that? Why don't you guys just accept it? It's that simple. Ask God for wisdom, and he gives it. He gives it. God wants us to have wisdom. Now, some of us say, okay, I ask God for wisdom, but, but, but in my thoughts and in my knowledge, how do I know if it's God? How do I know it's God? How do I know it's not just me? How do I know it's like just, you know, maybe it's a movie I saw last night and, 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 it's, and it's influencing my decisions or something. You know how you go to sleep, you watch a movie, and then you have a dream, and you think God is speaking, but really, you, it's really just a movie you just saw? Come on. Because that happens sometimes. You know, the last thing you were talking about, the last thing you just saw, come, can kind of replay in your dreams sometimes. How do I know that what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, the, 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 the information that I currently have, how do I know this is of God and not of the devil? Do we just go with the first thing that pops in our head? Well, if it's God, it's, gonna go, it's the first thing. This is the thing. The devil is always willing to give you his opinion. He is able and ready at all times to influence our decisions. It's no hardship for him. He's, he's just waiting so you give him an opportunity. And so what happens is because of this, we need to be aware of how to differentiate between heavenly wisdom and demonic wisdom. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. James is letting us know that to be aware that there's two kinds of wisdom, and he, wants, he needs for us to discern. He's saying you guys need to discern between the two. You ever have an argument with somebody? I think I mentioned this before. You have an argument with somebody, and in your argument, you say a bunch of things. You're arguing, it gets heated, you're upset, she's upset, you speak, she speaks, you get louder, she gets louder, and you start saying all the things that you know are right. Right? You're right in an argument. And you're speaking, and you're speaking, and you know everything that's right. And, you're, and, 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 and both people are right in an argument. That's why they're arguing. Right? All of a sudden... You calm down, you have an opportunity to think clearly about the things that were said. And the things that you were for sure that were true, or the things that you were for sure that you were like correct by, you realize in some cases that you were wrong. That you were wrong. But how could that be? I mean, I, at that moment, it just seemed so right. At that moment, your emotions were in control, and you were influenced by them. And the things that you said were based on emotions and not based on truth. Even though something can seem right at the time, doesn't mean that it's right. Let's take a look 
at some of this, uh, at these two types of wisdom. Um, James, when he goes into uh, specifying the ungodly wisdom, he says it's earthly, it's sensual, and it's demonic. Now, that definitely doesn't sound good. And all of us are like, I'm not going to be operating in that kind of wisdom because it's it's plain. I mean, it should be obvious. To understand this better, we need to understand, uh, first understand that we're made up of three distinct parts. Us, we're made up of our soul, our spirit, and our body. Well, are you sure about that, Pastor? Okay, let's read about it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And the thing is, we can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to take care of my body and not care about my spirit. I'm not going to just take care of my, uh, uh, of my soul and not t- take care of my spirit. It's, it says this, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved at the uh, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The wisdom that, that is not from above has a threefold description here in James. He said earthly, sensual, and demonic. And if you see, they correspond to the three parts that we're made up of. And so what you see is that the, that the earthly wisdom corresponds to the body. The sensual corresponds to the soul. And the demonic corresponds to the spirit. You guys paying attention to this? Pay attention, please. I know this is not like, this is more of a teaching. Uh, I get it. I get it. I get it. But, 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 but just, you got to understand this. Earthly for the body, sensual for the, for the soul, and demonic for the spirit. So what are the characteristics that will help us discern? How do I know? If this is earthly, if this is sensual, if this is demonic, how do I know these things? Well, James also identifies it in the passage. The first thing he mentions is bitter envy. Bitter envy. You know, when we we go to the original Greek, instead of envy, the original Greek reads jealousy, right? And uh, jealousy and envy are somewhat different. Envy says... I should have had that instead of you. And jealousy says, I should have that too. Similar, but a little different. I should have had that instead of you is envy. And jealousy is, I should have that too. It's the attitude, you know, and so, so demonic wisdom is motivated by jealousy. The demonic wisdom is motivated by jealousy, saying, I should have that too. We see this in the church, and I'm also going to go here because it's not even here. We see this in the church when what happens is you have one person that God has blessed with an amazing voice. And you say, I should have that too, God. When someone is an amazing teacher, 
And you say, I should be able to teach like that person. When someone is an amazing servant. And I should be that person. I should be the one doing this. I should be that. And, I and it's this jealousy that, that overwhelms you even in the body of Christ. And what happens is, listen, that is demonic. It's demonic. It's the attitude that says, I want what he has. I want what she has. As opposed to saying, I want what he has for me. Can we get to a place when we can look at our brothers and sisters and say, Woo! Yo, that you will go. God is using you powerfully in that area. Yo, you are so gifted in that. Oh, my God, I'm so excited that God is using you in that. Yo, I'm so, I'm so grateful that we have someone that is so blessed in this area in the body of Christ. Yo, I'm so grateful that you're in my life and that you're helping me with this. I'm so grateful for this. I'm so thankful for this. We need to get to a point where we're doing that with each other as opposed to being like, yo, Eric, you seen that person over there? They think they all that because they always singing. They always teaching. They always do this. They always at the church. I don't know why they always at the church for. Like that, can't, that, that shouldn't come out of our mouths. It's demonic. You know how I know it's demonic? We off script right now. You know how I know it's d- demonic? Because, because the effects of it, the aftershock. You know how there's an earthquake and they say that it trembles and then later there's like, you know, the aftershock? Well, the aftershock of this demonic wisdom, this demonic talk, what happens is there's confusion, there's strife, there's anger, there's resentment, there's division. There's, and all of a sudden you start seeing all this junk in the body of Christ and God didn't let this in. God doesn't give that. So guess what? If God isn't giving us division and strife, and if God isn't giving us confusion, and if God isn't giving us anger and envy and jealousy, then who is? Where is it coming from? And then we wonder, why isn't God doing better things, bigger things here? Well, because there's a lot of demon stuff going on in the church. There's a lot of demons loose. And I know we live in a time where we don't talk too much about that. Oh, we don't talk about demons anymore, Pastor. We don't talk about that stuff anymore. No, it's real. It exists. It influences the the church in a direction where God does not want it to go. Oh, I'm saved. I don't have to worry about demons affecting me. You You know, once you're a believer in Christ, a demon can't possess me. No, you're right. I believe that if you are a child of God, you cannot be possessed by a demon, but you can be influenced and oppressed. Which means that they can sway your decisions. That means that they can change the way you act. That means that they can make you say things and do things that really you didn't want to to do. And then you wonder why. All right, all right, let's get back. Where are we? Okay. The attitude that says, I want what he's got. 
And this leads us to the next characteristic that he says is he says self-seeking. Selfish ambitions, right? Why do you want to sing? Why do you want to teach? We talked about this teaching last week, right? Why do you want to preach? Why do you want to help others so that you can look better? You can put it on your resume, on your portfolio. You know, well, you know, I've, I've fed the homeless five times. I've given, um, I've given clothes three times because there are people that keep an account of what they do, and that automatically tells us that it's for self-ambition, self-interest, to be motivated by self-interest. It's like a politician, right, running for, for an office, and I'm sorry for any politicians that might be watching, but the truth is the truth. Some may want to do some good, but the good that they will do, I mean, they're really thinking about, I want to be. Um, I want your votes. I want to be in office. And so they do everything for me, for me, for me, right? Vote for me. Think about me. It's all about me. You see them all the commercials on, the, on, on TV when there's a political race, and it's about this guy and about this guy. I do this, and I do that. I'll do this, and I'll do that. It's me, me, me. And pointing to me because I have a self-interest. I have a selfish ambition. I want, to, I want to do something and get somewhere. And so everything I do, everything I say, is a result of that. That is a little light bulb letting you know that it's not a godly thing. It's not godly wisdom that you're living by. You know, in fact, it's the exact opposite of what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Listen, it's not wrong to want to move up in your career. It's not wrong to want to have a great education. It's not wrong to want to, uh, to be a, a, a figure that might be able to influence people for the good. These are not wrong things. But the Bible says that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Which means that even though you have a desire to move up, that's not your main focus. Your main focus is to please him. Your main focus is kingdom business. His main focus is hearing and obeying the voice of God. We are supposed to be looking out for God's interests and the interest of his kingdom. And that kind of goes along with what, I, what we talked about right before we got into the sermon, how I mentioned how, how could you know of a God so loving, so merciful, so graceful, and not share it? His interest, what he wants, is for all to be saved. That's his interest. That's what he desires. And if I know that that is his interest, that it should be my interest. It should be my concern. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 say, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. 
Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Are we esteeming other people? Are we esteeming one another? Are we holding each other up? Are we encouraging one another? Are we motivating one another? Or are you so busy worrying about yourself? This is, listen, again, if, you, if, you, if you're missing it, James is teaching and speaking to the church. These are not people that don't know who God is. These are people that at one point made a decision to follow Christ, to, follow, to, 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 to be a Christian, you know, to, to be part of the body. And even people in the body struggle with things like this. They did in his time, and they do in this time. And this is why we talk about it. This is why we teach on it. We are supposed to be looking out for the interests of others. And we got to ask ourselves, and we got to be honest, are we living this way? Think about your choices. Think about your thoughts. Think about your, the, the, your, your actions. Think about your daily lives. Are you living a life that puts others before you? Are you living a life that has the interests of the kingdom before the interests of your own? Because the truth is that we can all be pretty selfish with our lives. That's the truth. I'm selfish with my life sometimes. We all, we all can be selfish. This is my life. Why do I got to, why, why I got to, why? The selfish part of me, can I be honest with the church this morning? Can I be honest? The selfish part of me, I should pause the live stream. No, no, no. The selfish part of me, last night at 2-ish in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, while I was up still preparing this morning's message, was like, I just flew back from Florida. I don't need this right now. I need to sleep. I need rest. Because I would be thinking about myself. But I have I've had plenty of role models and, and men and uh, women of God that have shown me what real sacrifice is. They have shown me and taught me what it means to be serving in the ministry. That is a very selfless thing to do. And they have shown me and taught me through their example and through the word that his interests come before mine. And I only say it because ministry isn't all fun and games. And then people maybe want it and they have to be prepared to understand what it comes with. So they're not let it, like, oh, then they quit two, two days in. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's keep going. Remember when Jesus was predicting his death, right? Jesus was, he was uh, telling his disciples how he was going to suffer at the hands of the chief priests and, 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 the, and the religious, you know, the elders. And Peter at this moment had an idea. 
And at this moment, at this time, it seemed like it was the right thing to do. At this time, Peter decides he's going to pull Jesus aside and like, no, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. No one's going to touch you. Because if you guys know Peter, Peter was a little gangster. Remember, he's the one that pulled the, the shank out. Remember? He's the one that pulled the shank out and cut somebody's ear off. So, so, so you could, I, I, could, I could see the conversation. Peter trying to get all tough, like, nah, nah, that isn't going to happen. As long as I'm here, that's not going to happen. You know, you know how it is when you, when you got, nah, nah, we're here with you. We're going to ride or die. Ain't nobody going to touch you. I, I really believe that's how that conversation went. He must have been really hyped because Jesus had to get hyped with him. Right? And he had to, like, bring him down. And, G, and, and, and in the same hypeness that, G, that Peter was like, that ain't going to happen, Jesus was like, Satan, get behind me. He called Peter saying, what? All right, 16, Matthew 16, verse 23. He turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Why did Jesus have to be so rough on Peter? He was his boy. He was just trying to say, I got your back. He was just trying to say, look, I'm not going to let nothing happen to you. I got you. Ain't nothing going down. I got my shank right here. We good. That's what he was telling him. That's what he was telling him. But Peter was motivated by self-interest. You see, Peter was walking and living and eating with Jesus. He was living with Jesus. He was walking with him. He was talking with him. He was learning from him. Who would not want Jesus to stay? He had some self-interest in there. Like, you know, we don't, you don't, you don't, he wouldn't want Jesus to, okay, he's going to die. No, I want you here. I enjoy your company. I'm learning from you. I know there's a lot of new people here, but the founder of this church, I kind of felt like Peter when Pastor Oliver was getting closer to, uh, to being with the Lord. Because I was like, no, he can't go. I need him. I need him. He's teaching me. I need him here. He can't go. I remember, but I had my, he needed to be here for me. I needed him here. And God was like, I want him here with me. Peter had self-interest, and he wasn't thinking about the interest of the kingdom. Jesus had to die so that we could have eternal life, so that he would be the, the, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice that his blood would atone for all our sins. It had to happen for the kingdom. Where there is ungodly wisdom, you will find boasting, pride, much focus on achievements and abilities. Again, you guys know what I can do? You know the things that I've accomplished? You know, you know those that that really are operating in the wisdom of God when in simple conversations they say, God has done so much in my life. 
Do you see the difference? God has done so much in my life. God has blessed me. God has led me. God has given me. As opposed to, I did this, and I did this, and I was able to do this. Where there is ungodly wisdom, you will find confusion. There is nothing confusing about God's commands. There is nothing confusing about the instructions that he has left us in this word. Now, people want to bring confusion. Again, where does confusion come from? It doesn't come from God. If there is confusion being brought to the table, we have to question the source. If someone is bringing confusion to your door, are they operating under heavenly wisdom or demonic wisdom? Are they being led by the Spirit of God or demonic spirit? If they're bringing confusion to your, to, to your life as you're trying to serve the Lord. Well, does the Bible really mean that? Doesn't that sound like the, garden, the, the, the snake at the garden? I mean, how many of us have heard that? Well, does the Bible really mean that? I mean, the Bible was written how many years ago? I mean, we have different things now. It can't really apply now. I mean, we, they didn't have TVs back then. They didn't have internet back then. They don't know. The word is alive. It's alive. And it stays relevant to any day and age. It, it, it wants, to, it wants to, to bring confusion to your life. Okay, heavenly wisdom. Just like demonic wisdom, godly wisdom has certain characteristics too. And so that we can be clear that it's coming from God, let's, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about them. The first thing mentioned in verse 13 is good conduct. Good conduct. How do you know your life? How, how do you know you're living a life that's demonstrating the wisdom of God? How do you know that you're living a life that is showing and demonstrating that you have God's wisdom? Well, uh, it will show in how you behave. It shows in your conduct. It shows in how you, how you live your life, how you carry yourself, in the language that you use. If the way people look at you, if they can look at you and you are reflecting the characteristics of God, then you know you are living a life that is uh, uh, led by godly wisdom. What are people seeing you right now? Your coworkers, your family members, what are they seeing in you right now? What are they seeing? Are they seeing an example uh, of, of God, his love, his grace, his mercy? Or are they, saying, are they seeing someone that says they go to church? And is ratchet, uh, <laughs> wild, just no self-control. Why does that word make people laugh, right? It does, right? Yo, but, but, but the truth is this. Like, like, what are you showing people? What are you showing people? What are they seeing in you? Are they seeing God? And if the wisdom that we're living by it doesn't impact our behavior, then you better know it's not godly wisdom. 
for the good. If, if, our, if, the, if, we're, if, we're not, if our behavior hasn't changed for the good, then you already know that you are not living influenced with godly wisdom. Okay, another characteristic of godly wisdom is meekness. Many people hear this word, right? And they, their chest starts to get all puffed up because they get it all wrong. Meek? I ain't no weak punk. I'm not being meek. What are you talking about? I'm a thug. I'm a gangster. I'm tough. You know where I'm from? Meekness. Ain't nothing about, they can't have meekness in this world. They'll eat you up. They'll eat you alive. Right? That's the concept that many of us have when we hear the word meek. And we have it all wrong. I want to clear it up for you guys. Meekness is not weakness. Weakness is not, meekness is not weakness. It's not. Meekness is an attribute of human, of human nature and behavior that has been defined as righteousness, inner humility, patient. Meekness is power under control. Meekness is power under control. I want to give you two examples in the Word of God of meekness. And the first one I want to take a look at is David. David, before he was King David, David was on the run. And uh, King Saul had the entire army looking for David to kill David. And at this point, David had, had bunkered in in a cave and men had began to, to follow him and to, and to, and to join aside, uh, alongside of him. And so for a moment, he lived in this cave. And just one day, guess who decides to pop in? King Saul needs to use the bathroom. He needs to relieve himself. And so he walks into that same cave. And he begins to use the restroom there. Talk about getting caught with your pants down, right? At this moment, David's men are like, yo, this is it? He's not paying attention. Kill him. Let's kill him right now. Right now. Let's get him. We have our chance. Can you imagine? This is the king that wants you dead. This is the king that God has already told you that you're replacing. Like you already know you're going to be the next king. And here is this king. Some people would be like, oh, God, God brought him to me. God brought, me to me, to him, uh, brought him to me so I can kill him right here. Because, you know, some of us try to, you know, we try to church up things that are not really godly. We try to church it up. This must be God. Uh, no, it wasn't. And so at this moment, at this moment, David, David has to make a decision. Is he going to cave to peer pressure and kill the king of Israel? Or is he not? And he, he makes a decision to not kill the king. Some of you guys are, man, he must have been a weak, like wimpy dude. And we all know that David was very far from that. This, is the, this was the giant slayer. Remember? This is the one that, that he would come back from, from war and the, and, the, and the people would be shouting, Saul has killed thousands and David tens of thousands. 
the people would celebrate his, his, his fierceness of battle in, 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 you know, when he would come back. This guy was a warrior. This guy was a man's man. This is the kind of guy today to have a whole arsenal at home. You know, just in case the revolution. It's an inside joke for some of, some of my, gun, my gun holders here. Um, he chooses not to, and it doesn't mean that he's weak. David is not weak by sparing his life. It doesn't mean that, 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 that he feared Saul. It was very far from it. David was meek, and he had his power under control. He knew that that moment was not the moment, and he did not take advantage at that, at that moment. Okay. Jesus is the second example, and he's the king of kings. Here's the Lord of lords, the almighty God in the flesh, Jesus himself. And here you have some mere mortals arresting him, some mere mortals that are taking him to, 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 to beat him, to torture him, and all this. You think, wait, hold on, all right. Matthew 26, 53. It says, do you think that I cannot pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? I mean, Jesus could have been like, legions, angels. And it would have, it would have it, that, just that would have, could have contained the entire world. He could have just snapped the finger. He could have just said it. But in his meekness, in his meekness, he decided not to. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't mean that Jesus was weak. It didn't mean that, that, that he was a fearful man. He had his power under control, and he knew that he was there for a mission, and he was going to complete his mission. Godly wisdom is also pure. You know what? I'm going to, sorry, babe. I have to give an example about you. Um, you guys know we were in Florida for a funeral, and like any family, there's sometimes a little bit of drama that are, that's attached to funerals, right? Because then, you know, it's been a while since all family are together, and then you have all the family get together, people that didn't talk to people, people didn't do this, and then you got friends that think they're family, and then you have family to friends that, that think that family, but they're really not. And I mean, you have a whole mixture of things, Right? There was this one um, woman that wasn't so nice to, to uh, our Aunt Evelyn, right? And in, pa- and in, and in passing, uh, just wasn't pleasant to deal with. Let's just say that. And uh, she reached out to my wife and texted her and says, can I go to the funeral? Now, if your parent passed away and your parent had explained to you some of the horrible things that a certain individual had done to them, and then that person is calling you, hey, can I come? Emotionally, many of you would be like, oh, heck no. I see. I, so don't front. You guys would be like, uh-uh. And in, um, if you guys know my wife, my wife is pretty strong. <clears throat> She's pretty forward. 
And I saw the text, and in my mind, I said, oh, no. <laughs> I said, Jesus. <laughs> and um, she wrote back and said, my Aunt Evelyn would never tell anyone they couldn't come. My, mom, my Aunt Evelyn would never tell anyone they could not be here. And that's how she answered it. And at that moment, I was like, I'm preaching about this. That's meekness. That's power under control. Because I know she wanted to say a lot of other things. And she didn't. But that shows a godly wisdom. A godly wisdom. Demonic wisdom would have been like, oh, beep, 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 beep. Godly wisdom is also pure, and in James says, first, pure, then peaceable. This means that if we don't sacrifice, that means that we don't sacrifice our values for the sake of keeping the peace. Hear me, church. Unfortunately, this is where, this is what many people do. They sacrifice what's right for what's easy. I don't want to ruffle the feathers. I don't want to stir the waters. So I'll just leave it the way it is. This is a big issue in the body of Christ today. This is a big issue in the body of Christ today. And, and, and I'm not pointing fingers, but it's happening in, 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 uh, everywhere. Um, where many people are watering down the gospel. We're watering down the gospel to make people feel better. We're, 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 we're preaching the feel-good messages so people could leave feeling good that they came to church, right? Maybe we could be like, ah, oh, I love watching this guy. He always makes me feel better. Oh, that's good. It's good to feel better every once in a while, right? We water it down because we don't want people to be offended. But let me tell you something, church, family. Let me tell you something. And if you don't know me by now, then you'll never, never, never know me. <laughs> All right, Wilma. Woohoo! She got it. All the young people are like, huh? It's a song, guys. It's a song. Preaching truth, pure truth, does not bring offense. Preaching truth, real, pure truth, brings conviction. People got it confused. They feel convicted and they want to take it and be offended. No, no, don't be offended. Be convicted. Because it's conviction that leads to repentance and then it's repentance that leads to eternal life. And so I'm sorry, if you're not feeling convicted, then when will you repent? So I got to preach truth so that you feel uncomfortable. So I got to preach truth so that you understand that there are some things that we're doing that maybe we shouldn't be doing. I got to preach truth so that you can go home or at the end of the service come to the altar and say, listen, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to be like this anymore. I repent. That's why we preach truth. 
Let's remember the next characteristic, the, the next characteristic of being uh, is peaceable, right? And so, yes, okay, and this is where there's the balance. Because then people are like, well, I'm preaching truth. I don't care how you feel. Okay, well, there's a balance here. There's a balance here. And, and, and that's why he says um, peaceable is a characteristic of heavenly wisdom. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Sometimes we are our worst enemies. If we are miserable, if we are unkind, if we are obnoxious people who can't get along with everybody else, and then we try to pretend that we're like that because we're hiding behind the fact, well, I'm just standing for the truth. We have to be careful. We have to be careful, church, please. It's not good enough. God says that we are to make every effort to be at peace with others. Why would I be arguing with a lost man or woman? Why would I be arguing with them, right? Because it's like me arguing, and it's like me. Why would I argue with someone that's lost when that's like me scolding a blind person for them not being able to see? Do you understand this? We cannot argue with the lost. They are blind. It's like you're yelling at them for not being able to see when they're blind. We can't argue with them like this. Oh, well, I can argue with my brothers and sisters. No, not neither. We can't argue with, we can't argue with our saved brethren, right? Because we need to remember that he or she is a brother or a sister in the body. And if I'm arguing with you, and I hurt you, I hurt me. And the thing is, we're not getting that. And that's why it's so easy for, to go around hurting each other. Because you're not understanding the concept of the body of Christ. You're not understanding that you are my sister, that you are my brother, and that when you hurt, I hurt. When you celebrate, I celebrate. When you mourn, I mourn. And so when I'm arguing with you and I hurt you, I'm hurting myself. When we understand that, then we will start to adjust our lives and live out a heavenly wisdom that reflects it. takes us to the next, which is willing to, willingness to yield. <laughs> willingness to yield. I don't, like, I don't like to yield. It means that we are to be reasonable. I can't, there are times that I'm not reasonable. There are times, right? Kevin and Camille have, have put up with me for so many years because there have been moments I have not been reasonable. It's my way. We gotta, I got a plan. I got a schedule. I was telling Eric about my schedule. I got a schedule to keep and maintain. Plane lands here. Oh, my gosh. So, listen, I like to get to the airport early. I like to be early. We get there, we wait. It's okay. We get there, we wait. They got restaurants. They got stores. You can window shop. You can actually shop. You can eat. You can take a nap right by the gate. The plane won't leave you if you're laying right in front of the gate. I'm saying, like, like, I love to be to the airport early. 
I love it. And so we were leaving Florida, and we get to the airport. Now, mind you, we got there earlier than even I wanted to, but it was because my plans were changed. My plans were pick up the baby, pick up Kevin, pick up Camille, go straight to the airport, sit together, have lunch, or eat, eat our meal together, then get on the plane. It didn't really work out that way because Camille didn't, she, she, she wasn't able to eat breakfast. She wasn't able to eat lunch. By the time I picked her up, she's like, yo, I'm hungry. I need to eat right now. So I said, okay, we'll just pick something on the way. And we got something fast. And then so the time that we would have been sitting and eating as a family, it, it was taken away. So now we have all this extra time at the airport. And Kevin and Camille are like, I hate being at the airport so early. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's okay. It's good. It's all good. Then they promised me on the way back that we would not be so early. I said, okay, fine, fine. won't be so early. I was like, what time you want to leave? Oh, we should leave at this time. All right, fine. We left at the time that they said. And <laughs> we get there, and we're driving, and then there's a line here. And there's another line here. And there's another line here, and I'm starting to sweat. And I'm like, I hate this. 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 Thank God we, you know, we got there in time. I think we got there like 15 minutes before, before we had to actually board. But that's too, that's, too, that's too late for me. That's too late for me. Especially when you're traveling with a toddler. Come on, you know. You know all things happen. You know, you got to change clothes. You know, you got to do this. I don't know. Also, anyways, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Willingness to yield. But I, I show up by willingness. Hey, what time y'all want to leave? I'll be reasonable. You know, it means willing to be, listen fairly to opposing points of view and to yield when necessary. It's impossible to be a peacemaker without the quality of being willing to yield. James continues and he says, full of mercy. Mercy, do we know what mercy is? It's to not give what is deserved. There are people that in our lives that deserve a three-piece combo. And we ain't talking about no KFC or nothing like that. Y'all know it. Y'all know it. There's people in your life that you know, they, they deserve it. They deserve it. They said things. They've acted certain ways. They deserve it. And mercy is saying, I won't give it to them. I won't give them what they deserve. And then going, the, the, uh, going above and beyond and showing grace. And it says, I'm going to sh- give them what they never deserved in the first place. And we do that because God did that for us first. Christ did that for us. And it, it continues, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. You know, there's no fakeness in the wisdom of God. There's no fakeness. And, and I'm going to close with this, in closing with this. Wisdom is knowledge of what is true or right, coupled with the judgment to action meaning knowing what is good, knowing what is right, knowing what is wrong, but then living it out, acting on it, right? It's discernment. It's insight. We all need it. We all need it. We all need it to make decisions in our lives. Based off our wisdom, we make some good decisions. Based on our lack of wisdom, 
we've made some horrible decisions. What wisdom are we following this morning, church? Are we following the wisdom of God? Or is it a demonic wisdom? Can you guys stand with me this morning? To get straight to the point, And if you guys don't remember anything I said, then remember this. <laughs> we cannot have heavenly wisdom without having a relationship with Christ. If you don't remember anything, remember this. You can only have godly wisdom if you have a relationship with Christ. If you've entered into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and the question is, do you have one? Do you have one? You're standing here today. There's a lot of choices that you have yet to make. There's, there's many life choices, decisions that you have to make for yourself, for your family. Are you following the wisdom of God? Are you living out a life that reflects you taking the word of God and then applying it to your life and living that out? Moments like this give us an opportunity that if we are not, we can make a choice to do that today. Now, there are some people that said, yes, I've accepted Christ. Yes, I love the Lord. And yet, they battle. Yet, there's an eternal battle between spirit and flesh. Our body wants to do one thing. Our spirit is tugging at us not to do it. And there's this battle. And in that battle, there are moments that, that we, we apply the, the godly wisdom to our lives, and there are moments that we fall to this demonic wisdom. And it's nothing to be ashamed about, but it's something to be reminded that we should give that to the Lord today. Lord, help me become stronger in my walk. Help me overcome the urges to be influenced by the demonic. Protect me. Cover me. Some people say, well, how do I, how can I, how can I make sure that, you know, I'm not being influenced demonically or, 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 or all this. How can I make sure that doesn't, help? saturate yourself in the presence of God. Saturate yourself in the truth. And when things like that begin to pop up, guess what? You'll see it for yourself. Are we living for us or are we seeking the kingdom first? So this morning, as the, as the prayer team comes up, as the prayer team comes up, I'm going to have um, Tony, can you, come, can you join us, please?
I think this is amazing because we have an opportunity to say, man, I kind of messed up a little bit. I kind of messed up a little bit, and, and, and I just want to give it to God. I just want to, I just want to say I'm sorry. I just want to ask him to make me a better person. I just want to, I just want to ask him to be in control of my life so that way the decisions that I'm making are his decisions and not my decisions. The altar is open this morning. And as I pray, I invite you to the altar first for repentance for those that have already accepted Christ but yet we fail in some areas of our lives. We can repent today. Those that may not have made a commitment to Christ, today is an amazing day because you could do that today. You can today, you can be like, yo, I'm not perfect. I've made some mistakes. I've tried everything. I've tried everyone, and nothing seems to work. I've done everything that I've, everyone's ever told me, but it's still not working. I still feel lost. I still feel hurt. I still feel defeated. I feel, and God is saying, I want to embrace you and love you. I want to raise you up. I want to remind you that you are a daughter of a king. And today, you can accept Christ and become part of that family so that he can call you son and he can call you daughter.